Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, we are waiting to, uh, to have Jesse Weinberry, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, and uh, Bob Armstead with the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition will be joining us in this program. We'll also be talking to uh, Shadé Moore, the chair of the Seattle Mark King County Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition. And then we'll be speaking with Jesse Hayes IV, who is uh, the leader of uh, the Red Tail Hawks Youth Flying Club. And they have a big event coming up on Thursday. And believe me, these guys went and bought uh, two airplanes. Uh, Jesse was saying that they were having a hard time uh, getting planes. So people were acting a little funny. So, but anyway, Jesse was, uh, in his ingenuity and the goodwill of other people, they were able to purchase two planes for the young people to learn how to fly. And we know there's a shortage of pilots. Uh, and we've been joined by the, the distinguished Bob Armstead. Hello, Eddie. Okay, hey, Bob, good to see you. A uh, lot of things going on. Uh, uh, Jesse Weinberry is going to be joining us shortly, I believe. But uh, uh, it's good to hear uh, that, uh, uh, first of all, uh, the complaint has been filed. You know, people are asking me, what does a disparity study mean? Why do you have to have a disparity study? And some uh, issues like that. And also, folks want to know, since we haven't had affirmative action since 1998, how much money did we lose, not just from the state, but from Sound Transit, from uh, uh, from the Port of Seattle, from King County, uh, the Seattle School District, the Toma School District, all across the state. So I've been getting questions like, you know, how did how have we lost out? What how much did we lose out? And uh, uh, the purpose of a disparity study. What does a disparity study mean? So if you could address that, I'd very much appreciate it. Okay, I'll start with the disparity study. Um, since about uh, 1983, a, uh, there's been a statutory provision requiring that the U.S. Department of Transportation uh, spend at least 10% of the funds authorized for the highway and transit financial acceptance programs uh, that those funds, that 10% be spent with DBEs. And DBEs is a disadvantaged business enterprise. It's a program where uh, the US Department of Transportation and those who are recipients of USDOT funds have the ability to certify individuals uh, to ensure that they qualify for participation in the program. Um, the program consists of uh, ethnic minorities uh, and women, but the, uh, the requirement is a statutory requirement in federal law that uh, at least 10% of DOT's funding be spent with, uh, with DBEs. And DOT has established uh, requirements for how recipients of their fundings uh, participate. They have to certify to ensure that the uh, participants actually qualify to participate in the program. And they have to, because of, of uh, court requirements, Supreme Court and appeals court requirements, they have to ensure that their program is narrowly tailored. In other words, they have to be able to demonstrate that they are serving people 
that have a need to be served through this program. And one of the ways that they do that is by conducting disparity studies. And in those disparity studies, uh, they do a number of things. Uh, they uh, gather data and information, do statistical analysis, uh, all sorts of things to ensure that the people that are participated in the program actually qualify uh, to be in the program. Now, what these disparity studies do is to first, they determine the actual dollar amount spent on programs in the state or the agency that they're conducting the disparity study for. Uh, and with that, they go through and identify all of the categories of individuals that participate in the program and determine what level of the total expenditures were actually spent with each ethnic group. As an example, they're required in each disparity study to identify how much money was spent for that agency or that state during the term of that disparity study uh, was actually spent with African-Americans. So when each disparity study, you can go through and see the percentage and actual dollar amount of funds that were spent, say, with African-Americans. How did we do? Extremely poorly. What percentage? Uh, uh, the percentages are, are in the low single digits, you know, they could be anywhere from one, you know, to two or three or four. But as, as part of the disparity study, uh, the uh, individuals or organizations conducting the studies are to determine uh, pre-existing categories of, of how each group uh, performs. And the, the lowest category is uh, significant, extremely significantly uh, uh, there are extreme um, significant disparate impacts for each group. And unfortunately, African-Americans are always in that group. Let so, me ask you this question. Can they meet the goals without using blacks? Yes. Okay. So as long as you have uh, a majority-owned company, they don't have to select a black. They can, so that's why we're doing so poorly, because we are not in a position to say what contracts we want to work on. We don't have no contact with the owner of the contract. We end up dealing with someone that don't like us. If you get on the job, like we saw with the sale tunnel partners, four black contractors went broke um, and nobody in Washington said a thing about it. We've also been joined by Jesse Weinberry. But the question I've been asked more than often, uh, how come blacks are not selected? And then you look at the fact that the last 23 years, so many family businesses have been, have been ruined by what I have to say is economic apartheid in Washington state. Jesse Weinberry. I see his name up there. He must be on another call at the same time. 
Okay. While 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 Jesse is 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 coming in, Eddie, uh, there's a uh, term that is usually in all of the disparity studies where they attempt to explain the reasoning for which would be the answer for your uh, question. And it says, except for discrimination. So the African-Americans aren't doing well because of discrimination. That discrimination is identified uh, in those disparity studies and it is expressed in terms of the uh, numbers and percentages. I'm messing up now. I don't have, I said, but on November 22nd, a, uh, a discrimination complaint was filed with the U.S. Department of Justice. And I know that uh, it was filed electronically. And then the next day, I think all the documentation went in. Can you share with our listeners what solidifies this complaint and what kind of documentation was included uh, to the U.S. Justice Department? Okay, um, I'll, I'll back up a bit. Um, since 1998, uh, African-Americans in the state of Washington uh, have uh, been on the uh, end of extreme discrimination uh, in Washington state uh, in terms of economics, in terms of education, in terms of housing, and as has been demonstrated through the COVID-19 virus through health. So it's, it's across the board. Uh, in the complaint that 21 individuals and organizations are co-signers to, uh, we talk primarily about uh, transportation issues because uh, the disparity studies are related to and as a result of the state receiving funding uh, for federal transportation dollars. But I just want everyone to understand that although we're talking about disparity studies and transportation, this discrimination exists across the board. You can look at enrollments at uh, the University of Washington, Washington State, the amount of contracting participation in those institutions, and you can go to housing and you can go to other areas and, and it will be the same. But anyway, since 1998, uh, we, the African-American community, have been attempting to uh, correct uh, some of the misinterpretations of, of I-200 and Governor Gary Locke's uh, interpretation of I-200, which resulted in uh, Governor's Directive uh, 98.01. Uh, we have have met with uh, local uh, representatives, uh, with state representatives, uh, with uh, congressional representatives. Uh, we have we have had meetings. Uh, you name it, we've done it. And the result of all of that is that our numbers continue to decline. So in uh, after President Biden issued his uh, equity uh, executive order, and after the state of uh, Texas uh, tested 
the uh, commitment of the president as a result of that executive order by filing a complaint against a uh, Department of Transportation agency in the state of Texas uh, regarding the dislocation and discriminatory practice against the African-American community related to uh, a highway project. Uh, when the administration through the Department of Transportation uh, decided to request a hold on that project and put a freeze on the funding for that project, uh, that partially demonstrated to us that now is the time for them, for us to see if they're willing to take the same type of action uh, against Washington State that they get against the state of Texas. Uh, in other words, Texas is a uh, red state and Washington is a blue state. And it's when not- When it comes out in the black, they might as well be red though. I, I got that completely. But it's up to the administration to demonstrate that they are willing to protect uh, African-American in all states. Yes. And and at this point, we're talking specifically about uh, Washington state. And we earlier in the year, we wrote a letter to the president. We wrote letters to the secretary of transportation. We wrote letters to others. And as a result of us following up on those letters, uh, we were actually advised that the only way to get interest and concern and an investigation is to file a complaint. So with those two things, the fact that the uh, that President Biden issued his equity initiative, the state of Texas tested it and they enforced it, and uh, some of the uh, recipients of our letters back in Washington, D.C., uh, advised us that the only way for us to get action was to file a complaint. We filed a complaint. Uh, that complaint is co-signed by 21 individuals and organizations, uh, the clergy, community groups, business associations, uh, various types of organizations. Black that veterans groups too. Yes, yes. indeed. Well, we've been joined by uh, Attorney Jesse Weinberry, who is uh, one of the leaders in Washington Equity Now Alliance. And uh, I guess they've been invited to meet with uh, the governor. Uh, so, but I'd like to have him give his spin on uh, this whole thing. He's been in the legislature, he passed legislation. And right now he also know what the disparity studies say and how poorly we're doing. So uh, w welcome uh, Representative, we Representative Weinberry, you still are representative. Uh, no, uh, Eddie, it's good remarks. to be with you. Good to be with you, and thank you, and and Bob, and the Washington uh, State Civil Rights Coalition for the work that you're doing. Uh, as you said, I represent. Uh, I'm an attorney, and I'm a former representative, but I'm here today representing the Washington Equity Now Alliance. It's an, a statewide alliance of uh, of organizations that uh, many of you are familiar with: the NAACP, uh, Faith Action Network. Uh, Northwest uh, Minority Suppliers Council, National Association of Minority Contractors, um, uh, uh, Indivisible, uh, the Washington State Democratic Party, 
uh, uh, the uh, Mexicano Cultural uh, uh, El Centro, uh, the organization that has pulled on an annual basis over 3,000 Latinx and Latino uh, community members to Olympia uh, on their Latinx Latino Day. Um, and so it's a cross section <clears throat> of BIPOC communities and women who have, uh, who are saying enough is enough. Uh, we uh, uh, started this movement with I-1000, which, both, which both of you were integral parts of. Uh, uh, and I hate to I hate to quote this part of Malcolm X, <laughs> but he said, "You've been took, you've been shook, you've been bamboozled, you've been uh, uh, ripped off," uh, because uh, the the uh, community leaders, uh, mostly elected officials, uh, said that I two hundred killed affirmative action. They've been saying that now since uh, 1998. And of course, we learned that it wasn't I-200. <clears throat> when as research went deeper than I-200, we went into legal cases and found a Washington State Supreme Court decision that defined I-200 and specifically said I-200 did not kill affirmative action. The only programs it prohibited were programs that took a lesser qualified candidate and elevated them over a more qualified candidate for a job, a seat in college, or a contract based on their race or gender. That has nothing to do with affirmative action because affirmative action never put unqualified people in. It made sure that qualified people who had been kept out finally got in, finally got opportunities to get a better education, to be to get, get a better job to get a better uh, opportunity to build their business. And so when we found that the real culprit that killed affirmative action was governor's directive 9801, that's when we went to the governor and said, uh, Governor Inslee, there's only one person on the planet, one person on the planet that can rescind a governor's directive. And it's not anybody in the legislature. It's not even anybody in the court. It's you, Governor Inslee. And we asked Governor Inslee to sign a governor's executive order that would rescind 9801, which 9801 put into place the exact opposite law that the Supreme Court said is the law. Governor's directive 9801 said you cannot use race and gender to hire anybody, to award any contracts, or to admit anyone in a college or university. But the Supreme Court, which is higher than a governor's memorandum, said, yes, you can. And more importantly, they said, yes, you must. And Washington State, ever since 2003, has been in violation of that law. And that is what, uh, and, and this is the, the only uh, uh, part where I am somewhat curious <laughs> about the, the complaint, uh, that is, is the difference between Washington and Texas. I mean, yes, Texas is a red state, Washington is a blue state, but Washington is a blue state with a very red record when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion and affirmative action. So it doesn't matter what we do politically, what we do in terms of obeying our laws is very red, very racist red. 
And that is what we believe must be the core of, of our complaints or any legal action that we set before a judge because no one is above the law, not even the governor. Everyone must obey the law. And right now, Washington state has been disobeying the law that says open the doors and let black and brown and red and yellow and women get jobs, get an education and get a chance to do business with the state through our public contracts. Very eloquent, Jesse. Uh, Bob, you have a comment on that? Uh, no, only that uh, I, I totally agree. The, the reference to red state and blue state was simply that we did not want the administration protecting a state simply because it's blue. We want them to do the same thing here that they have said by Biden's executive order that they're going to do every place. Uh, we, we totally agree that officials in Washington state have known that uh, Executive Director 9801 exceeded uh, what was in the initiative I-200 and what became part of state law. They have specifically known, as uh, Jesse indicated, since 2003, because the Supreme Court gave a decision then. In addition to that, the Washington State Attorney General has issued an opinion back in 2016-2017 that specifically stated that the state was not prohibited from having affirmative action programs. And in that opinion, he went so far as to talk specifically about contracting and, and other avenues. Also during that period of time, the Seattle city attorney issued an opinion that mirrors what the Washington State Attorney General had said regarding uh, affirmative action. So the, the laws, the interpretation of the laws, everything has been in place for the, the state and the governor of the state to do things to remedy the horrific situations that African-Americans have been in this state since 1998. They have chosen not to do anything. And that is the reason that we filed a complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice. I said, uh, I know several members of Congress, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus think, uh, as a matter of fact, one indicated, I won't mention his name, that uh, it's the most comprehensive complaint that he's ever seen documenting discrimination against blacks. He says never seen anything like it. But I want, we're going to take a quick break, but I don't need you gentlemen to hold on. We're going to be joined by Shadi Moore when we come back from the break. She's also one of the complainants on, uh, the, uh, on the, the complaint that went into the Justice Department, in addition to being the chair of the Seattle MLK uh, Organizing Coalition. So Eric, we'll take a break and come right back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all. 
especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington, or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Snowflakes Jamming back to Urban Forum Northwest with uh, Bob Armistead, the White State Civil Rights Coalition, and Attorney Jesse Weinberry, former state representative uh, with the Washington Equity Now Alliance, statewide organization that's been promoting affirmative action and uh, have been seeking a meeting with uh, Governor Jay Inslee for a few months now. So uh, Jesse, why don't we go to you and let's talk about where we are in this whole struggle. Well, I think to put it in context, uh, uh, many of the older uh, of your older listeners knew when we were uh, in the, when the civil rights movement was trying to enable us to sit in the front of the bus, and we moved from that to now a civil rights movement where we're demanding to own the bus company. Uh, we're demanding to have contracts, uh, not just in the millions, but part of the billions that are uh, of dollars that are coming from the federal government. Uh, we have the American Rescue Act uh, that sent $10.2 billion to Washington State. The money's been wired, but we're not being hired. We have uh, $8.6 billion that's coming as a result of the Infrastructure Act that was recently passed in Congress. The money's been wired, but we're not being hired. And forthcoming, we, we've already seen that the Build Back Better Act, which is $1.7 trillion dollars, has passed in the House, it's on its way to the Senate. Billions will come from that too. And so the reason why we are taking the stands we're taking in terms of demanding meetings with the governor, in terms of the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition that is filing action in, uh, with, the, with the Federal Department of Justice is because we're tired of the money being wired and we're not being hired. So we're basically saying until we can guarantee that we, the taxpayers of Washington state, black and brown, red and yellow, male and female, uh, are gonna be hired, then we're saying to the federal government, don't bother wiring until they're hiring us. Now, you recently uh, had a, uh, uh, I guess I call it a victory, uh, when you brought this to the attention of the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. County Council. Can you share with our listeners how that proceeded? 
and what you were able to get done? Well, thank you. It was history making because as, as we all know, there has never been a time when Republicans and Democrats have agreed on a strategy for I-200. Uh, for the most part, Democratic elected office holders have been for repealing I-200 and Republican office holders have been for keeping I-200 in place. But for the first time on August, I'm sorry, on October 26, uh, the King County Council consisting of Democrats and Republicans voted unanimously, unanimously. Democrats and Republicans came together and said, we agree on the implementation of I-200. And that is that it is not it is not a law that killed affirmative action. It is a law that just prevents a lesser qualified person from being elevated over a more qualified person based on race. And that from this point forward, the affirmative action we need to be practicing in King County and in Washington state is not race and gender neutral affirmative action, which has been losing a loser for African-American uh, contractors for African-American jobs. We want race and gender conscious affirmative action, which is the original affirmative action that has been, that is the affirmative action of 40 other states, and it needs to be the affirmative action of ours. And that's what getting rid of uh, Governor's Directive 9801 will pave the way for, for us to have affirmative action that close, I mean, that opens doors when it comes to contracts and jobs and education rather than closing them, which is what Governor's Directive 9801 has done for the last 23 years. Okay, we have been joined by uh, Shadi Moore, the chair of the Seattle uh, King County MLK Organizing Coalition, the secretary of the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, also known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. And she's also one of the complainants. Uh, um, she's one of the 21 that is uh, back at the U.S. Department of Justice. And we've been hearing good things, Sade, from our efforts. So uh, why don't you go ahead and just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and tell us where you are with uh, the, uh, uh, I don't know how I got the 22nd on the email, but it's the 17th of January, 2022. Uh, so go right ahead. You got to unmute. First off, thanks, Eddie. I knew where you were coming from with the 22nd. I just thought you meant the year, right? So I was like, oh, okay, makes sense, 2022. Um, for those of you that are listening, uh, my name is Sade Moore. Um, this is my third year being the chair of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. Um, I am the youngest chair on record. I am the first female chair on record, and it has been an honor and a privilege to serve the community as well as to lead this organization every year as we work tirelessly to plan the uh, wonderful march and rally workshops, opportunity fair, community feeding uh, for the Seattle King County community. Uh, it's usually uh, noted as the most, as the largest uh, march and rally um, on the West Coast, uh, in my opinion. Um, I know in the last couple of years, we've had some hardships with uh, COVID-19, with Delta, now with, with the Omicron. Um, so it's just a lot of stuff happening in our community, but we're still marching and planning on. Um, again, as Eddie had mentioned, um, this is our second year with a lot of difficulty, right? Planning this event, but we've been making waves. Um, we are planning um, our March and Rally, which will be going to be outdoors at Garfield High School on the 17th of January. 
Um, the event, the, the rally itself will start at 11 o'clock as normal. Um, unfortunately, we will not be having the opportunity fair this year due to um, a lot of the uh, county um, uh, regulations for in-person events. Uh, as you know, vaccination status, um, there's even the vaccination testing. Um, and it's just a lot of logistics and planning the opportunity fair. So we're hoping in the next year, uh, 2023, we're able to bring that back to the community. Um, however, we will still have in-person and virtual workshops. Uh, we are planning to finalize our agenda uh, for our youth event. Um, and we have four interns plus a returning intern this year uh, to manage um, and plan our, our youth event for Sunday, the 16th. Um, and yeah, we're, we're expecting a really large turnout. Um, we're really looking forward to a lot of people coming back this year. Um, working with our community partners with black owned businesses um, to make sure that we're able to give back in the ways that we need to. Um, so that there's a lot of planning. Our next planning meeting for anybody that wants to attend uh, is next Tuesday, December 7th. Uh, starts at 6.30 to 8 p.m. And if you want to know more about how to join, how to volunteer, or if you just want to pop in on our meeting, uh, visit seattlemlkcoalition.org. And all of our event uh, meeting statuses is on our calendar page. Yeah, I was, uh, dealing with the opportunity fair, I talked to a number of folks, uh, employers as well as agency people, and you know, uh, and and really with this new virus uh, uh, variant coming in now, said no, we don't really want, and it, it makes sense not to expose mm -hmm. folks, especially with this large number of people who haven't been vaccinated. Right. Um, the other thing is that how's things going with uh, with uh, the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority? So there's a lot of work. Um, right now we're planning our 2022 calendar. Uh, building is still in progress. It's Our PMs are still working. Um, there's a lot of new and old discoveries um, within the building. Obviously it has been unoccupied for several years now. Um, thousands of dollars uh, are not only being uh, sponsored or being donated to this facility, um, but, you know, we're, we're working through uh, a heavy load, just to be transparent, we're working through a lot of bills. There's a lot uh, going on. The, the facility has been inhabited uh, for quite some time, and it's just been left sitting. Um, in my opinion, it's been discarded. Um, and it's it's really, it, it's, it's, we are really trying to save this building. Um, we are planning to have our first annual town hall. Uh, at the end of January. So that will be announced by our communications team. So we're really looking forward to that. We're gonna be talking about bylaws. We're gonna be talking about our goals for the upcoming year. We're gonna be talking about elections. We're gonna be talking about our committees. Um, we're gonna be talking about you know, our finance and our funding, where it's coming from. Um, a lot of people wanna know, well, who are you partnering with or how much money is in the bank? We're all gonna, we're gonna talk about that at that meeting. Okay. Um, so if you wanna know more about what's happening there, you can visit our website as well. Uh, it's McKinney. Um, sorry. Um, Eddie, you created this website for us too. I always forget it. Uh, but you can even Google McKinney Center Seattle and you'll, you'll pick it up. Um, and I'll make sure I share that with Eddie here shortly so that he can communicate it. Um, but our information is out there. You can even go to our Facebook page. You could just go and search McKinney Center Seattle, um, and you'll get information on our meetings, our agendas, our, our, uh, who again, a lot of community updates that we believe that should be shared with the community um, are there as well. So um, it's, well, it's- I just want to say, Shade, yeah. 
that uh, Bob Armstead had the regional administrator from the Economic Development Administration walk through the building. Mm. We also had a very successful black developer by the name of Victor McFarland. And uh, there are some resources, we'll talk offline. Bob and I know of some stuff that we can get done. We made presentations before, but uh, I think that we can take a lot of pressure and burden off you so mm -hmm. you can focus on some other things. So. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Shadi, and you can free to hang around because we're going to talk to Jesse Hayes uh, with uh, uh, the uh, Red Tail Hawks Flying Club, the Youth Flying Club. They bought two airplanes, so they don't have to make wait and land anymore. Yeah, so uh, that and your young people might want to want to hear about Mr. Hayes as well. So uh, Jesse Hayes, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Sade, if you got some young folks that uh, want want to get involved, we've got a meeting coming up on December 18th, and I was going to be connecting with the Navy and, and a bunch of folks uh, and uh, learn how to, uh, airplanes are designed. So uh, it's going to be really exciting. So uh, why don't you give our folks a little background? You've been on before, but, you know, people need to hear how this got started and They've had, had your people waiting in line to get a plane, and you went and bought some planes. So, and you also have an event, a virtual event coming up on Saturday. So, why don't you share that with us? Okay, well, that's, that's a lot. So, you, you give me, give, give, you cut me off. I start talking too much. But uh, I am Jesse Hayes, the president of the Red Tail Hawks uh, Flying Club. I'm pretty excited to uh, be here today, and so thank you. Uh, we are a, um, a nonprofit, a chapter of Black Pilots of America. And uh, we got started about eight years ago, um, on November 23rd, actually, uh, in 2013. Um, pretty excited with, uh, with some kids. And uh, uh, we uh, uh, you know, had a meeting. Folks agreed that we wanted to do it again. And, uh, <laughs> and eight years later, we've grown from having two kids to have, having tested lives of over 3,600 kids uh, in, in eight years. Uh, uh, developed uh, over 25 pilots and 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 uh, have absolutely wonderful uh, host of uh, programs, which uh, give us what we call a student to pilot pipeline. So we have two aviation camps, a, a full year-round uh, youth program and uh, formal flight training, um, and so. Um, uh, as you mentioned last year, we had we were blessed uh, by the community and the generosity of uh, our uh, grantees, and we're able to purchase two airplanes to um, fund what we call the Red Tail Hawk Aviation Academy. We're halfway to our five-year horizon goal in, in terms of airplanes. We're, we're really looking to have four airplanes uh, uh, over the next three years, uh, acquiring those so that we can uh, fully equip uh, the, uh, the Aviation Academy as it is currently envisioned. Um, this Saturday online, uh, we will have the uh, Future Thrust Awards. Um, it will be the seventh Future Thrust Awards. Um, we made a decision a few months ago that we were gonna do it online because of what's going on with COVID and whatnot, but uh, we expect to have uh, a wonderful program. Uh, we were online last year, and uh, it was well received. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it again this year. Uh, <clears throat> we've got uh, our honoree for the Future Thrust Award is 
uh, Dr. Fontaine from Texas Southern University, which is a HBCU down in Houston. Um, that uh, school has, um, under Dr. Fontaine's leadership over the last three years, has really turned around the aviation program. They've acquired five airplanes uh, and, and are, are and really have a fantastic program that will compete with any aviation uh, uh, program with any university across the United States. So we're pretty excited with what he's done at, at Texas Southern and, and really open up opportunities for kids here who want to go to an HBCU and learn to fly. Uh, and so we're going to honor him with the um, Leroy Roberts Award for Education. And uh, if you call in on 5.30 on Saturday, you can be involved with that and find out what we're doing with the Red to Hawks in a little more detail and and, uh, you know, and hopefully get involved get involved with us long term because we are in the friend raising business right now. We are looking for you know a thousand people and a thousand companies to uh, to jump on board with us and help us move into the future. How many of your students have gone on to uh, flight academies or became commercial pilots or pilots in general? Well, uh, so we've uh, sent 48 kids the, the opportunity to get involved with our, um, our what we call Red to Hawk Fly. We sent uh, 11 kids down to uh, Houston, Texas prior to COVID at, at the um, Black Pilots of America, Les Morris Summer Flight Academy. Uh, and we've done um, a lot of supportive training in between. Um, <clears throat> I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I know that we we have uh, we we produced seven pilots this year. Uh, we produced three pilots and two th three ratings last year. The year before that, we had four pilots and uh, there was uh, three ratings, uh, five pilots the year before that. Um, so. Uh, we, we've we've uh, definitely produced um, more than 25 um, pilot ratings, um, and uh, we have um, I'm sorry, pilot certification. Excuse me, and and uh, you know at least at least a dozen ratings. Um, you know after that, we've got uh, several folks uh, who are out in the industry right now who have grown up through the Red to Hawks. Um, in particular, you know, uh, Spencer Brashears was, you know, the first uh, uh, kid that we gave money to uh, to go to Summer Flight Academy and then to attend uh, Embry-Riddle. And he's out uh, flying as a commercial pilot for Tradewinds Airlines. Samantha Carter has graduated from Embry-Riddle and has, uh, she was our first female Red Tail Hawk that they had got, got her private pilot. And, She's now an engineer, an aerospace engineer, actually, uh, with, with the NAVAIR uh, testing uh, Navy airplanes out on the East Coast. Um, and we've got a few more that are uh, flying professionally. And we've got a whole host of them in college and, uh, you know, just a bunch more in, in the pipeline. Well, Jesse Hayes, man, I'm proud of what you're doing with the young folks because that's, uh, that's very unique to be uh, training young folks to become pilots. Now, why don't, before we go, why don't you give folks the information about how they can log on uh, to the event on Saturday and how they can uh, give them your website information as well. Absolutely. Actually, the best thing to do is go straight to the website. Uh, 
which is um, redtailhawksflyingclub.org. And uh, when you go to redtailhawksflyingclub.org, there will be a pop-up for the Future Thrust Awards. And there you can register. It it will be online and you have to register in order to get the proper link to uh, participate at 530 on December 4th. Uh, that is Pacific time. Um, so redtailhawksflyingclub.org, uh, register, and then uh, jump on with your Zoom and uh, join us at 5.30 on Saturday. Okay, Jesse Hayes, number four, Jesse D. Hayes, four. Thank mm-hmm. you, man, for what you're doing, because that's a very unique uh, situation to have young folks from our community learning how to fly. And I'm so happy that you guys were able to get your own planes. And uh, hopefully if I talk to some folks, if they want to make a contribution to the nonprofit organization, I'll make sure that uh, I direct them your way. So thank you very much, Jesse. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I just want to say thank you. And, and, and you know, we, and we are more than just flying. We've, uh, we, we've got uh, STEM camps uh, and, and et cetera. So, and anybody, uh, any, any kid that wants to get exposed, and needs to get exposed, you know, just come join us for a little while and see if you like it. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you. All right. Okay, everybody, hold on. We're gonna take Eric, we're gonna take a quick break and come back after this with uh, Jesse and I think Sade left us and Bob Armstead. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest with Bob Armstead, Jesse Hayes, Jesse Weinberry, and Sade Moore just left us because she has multiple things to do and she does a real good job. Uh, you know, uh, I wanted to ask a, a question uh, 
uh, to, to Bob Armstead. And that is, is that there have been 21 individuals, including members of the clergy. Do you have that list with you, Bob? Do you, do you have uh, yes, I do. Oh, would you read off who the uh, Jesse, Jesse, Wine, attorney Jesse Weinberry is uh, going to join he and attorney Karuma Hawkins. So why don't you read that off to give people an idea of who is part of this complaint? And so Jesse, you're signing on, right? Jesse Weinberry? Well, I'd love to have an opportunity to read it, and I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting uh, uh, Bob's uh, reading of the list. You know, you read it all. You read that complaint already. <laughs> <laughs> trying to mislead our, our listeners that you don't no, know. No, no. I, I, I think. You I did think the editing. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think with every move that we saw Malcolm, I mean, Martin Luther King do with uh, President Johnson, he got more respect and support after the support came from the March on Washington, showing the people out there who wanted mm -hmm. civil rights and voting rights and public accommodation rights. And it didn't hurt that there was a Malcolm X saying by any means necessary. And so I think we have to use every uh, part of our democracy, whether it's the governor, the legislature, Congress, or the, or the Department of Justice or the to Black give Panther rights Party. for our people. And and so I I applaud I applaud what you've done. Yeah. Did you, did you pull that up, Bob? Uh, I I'm still looking for it, and and while I'm looking for it, I'd like to make a quick comment. One of uh, Jeffrey's earlier statements uh, regarding the Build uh, Back uh, Better Act and the uh, infrastructure package. Uh, one of our specific asks in the complaint is that Washington State uh, not receive any additional funding under those or any other programs until they have uh, resolved their discriminatory issues with, uh, with African-Americans in Washington State. And uh, the PBE program and Title VI and others uh, have provisions in them that allow for secession of funding, actually for the uh, the request for the return of funding mm -hmm. uh, when organizations are found to not be. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, as an attorney who has represented not not DOJ complaints, but, but lawsuits, generally in, in our request for relief, we ask for the suspension of, of any dollars uh, that have been received by the city, county, or whatever, uh, state or whatever local government, and and the um, uh, the withholding of, of any funds that have been earmarked but, yet, but not, have not yet allocated. And so even like the American Rescue Plan money that came, uh, began to come in March, um, eight point, I'm sorry, 10.2 billion, a lot of that, as I said, the money's been wired. We're not being hired. We can move to suspend those funds, even though they're here, even though they're in Washington State. They will not be able to be used, as you pointed out, until there has been a resolution uh, uh, of this issue. And we got uh, about two minutes left. I want to see if Bob okay. got the list. Let, let, oh, let me sorry. start on the list. Okay, uh, Reverend Dr. Kerry Anderson, First AME Church. Right. Uh, Bob Armstead, Civil Rights Coalition, Bishery, Bishop Zachary Bruce, uh, Freedom Church, Good. Claude Buffet, First Vice President, Seattle County NAACP, 
Dominique Davis, Executive Director, Community Passage, Bill Dickens, Black Collective, uh, Ernest Dunstan, President Emeritus, Seattle Breakfast Club, Haywood Evans, Co-Convener, MLK Commemoration Committee, Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, Pastor New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, Jonathan Johnson, President Tacoma Washington NAACP, Richard Johnson, Kent Black Action Commission, Roberto, Roberto Jordan, uh, Chair of Festival San Dieta, uh, Raymond Miller, NAACP Chair of the Armed Services and Veteran Affairs Committee, Shade Moore, Seattle, uh, King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition, Lyle Quasum, Chair, Tacona County uh, Pierce County Pierce Black Collective, Eddie Rye Jr., co-founder Black Contractors Coalition, Community Coalition for Contracts and Jobs and others, Robert Stevens, Commander, Seattle Chapter, National Association of Black Veterans, Paul Nav Vets, uh, Reverend Dr. Paul Stoop, Senior Pastor, Trinity uh, Baptist Church, Pastor Lawrence Willis, President, United Black Christian Clergy, uh, Reverend Dr. Harriet Walden, founder, Mothers for Police Accountability, and Bishop Reggie uh, Witherspoon, Church of God Christ, Seattle, Tacoma, Jersey. Okay, y'all, uh, the time is up, so we have to go. I want to thank you for your time today, and I got to give a shout out to the people that keep me on the air. First of all, Sound Transit with the Chief of Labor, Lady uh, Leslie Jones, uh, who could be a good CEO of Sound Transit as well. Uh, also, John T. Robinson, uh, who's over civil rights and equity, and then the City of Seattle's purchasing, Liz Alzir, Mark Carroll, Carmen. Uh, then uh, you heard from me and Rice, uh, Diversity Contracting Office with the Port of Seattle, he and Lawrence Coleman, and keep my friends busy out at SeaTac uh, at Concourse Concession with Dave Pukahara and SeaTac Bar Group LLC with the African Lounge and Mountain Room Bar, Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill. And uh, I want to thank you guys once again. And as soon as we get some more information, we will be sharing that with the community. And as Jesse Weinberry had in indicated earlier, if anyone has been done wrong by any uh, agency in the state, we want to hear from you. If you have any kind of information, and if you have lead an organization or want to sign on to the complaint, then uh, you need to get in touch with us. And my number is uh, 206 786 2763. I will have surgery next Wednesday. I will not be sending out e emails or responding to them. I can, surgery's on my shoulder and not on my mouth. So I will be talking. I might not make it next Thursday, but I will going to be doing something on Tuesday to play for Thursday. So I want to thank uh, Bob Armstead, Jesse Hayes, Je Attorney Jesse Weinberry, and Shadi Moore, and my main man, Eric, in the studio. So thank all y'all and have a good one.